This week, Bed Bath & Beyond going concern status in doubt, Venator mulls Chapter 11, Cineworld Judge pushes for more action, SBF pleads not guilty, Party state claims and Robinhood shares held by FTX-associated entity. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring the latest moments in high-yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm David Zupkis. We'll be taking a brief recess this week from our deep dive segment, but we'll be back soon with more premium content. It's Friday, January 6th. On Thursday, Bed Bath & Beyond said that its 10Q for the period ended November 26, 2022 would be delayed because of quarterly closing procedures, including impairment testing, and that there is a substantial doubt about its ability to continue operating as a going concern. The company said that while it is working toward improving its cash position and mitigating liquidity shortfalls, it is considering all strategic alternatives, including restructuring, asset sales, and obtaining relief under the U.S. Bankruptcy Code. The company said that it expects to report net sales of approximately $1.259 billion for the three months ended November 26, 2022, representing a 33% year-over-year decline for the same period last year. Decline in net sales versus last year is expected to be driven by lower customer traffic and reduced levels of inventory availability. The troubled retailer also announced a termination of its previously announced exchange offers and consent solicitations regarding its 2024, 2034, and 2044 notes as a result of the conditions applicable to not being satisfied. Reorg reported on Tuesday that Venator Materials is considering a Chapter 11 filing. The chemicals producer faces liquidity concerns, near-term maturities, and falling demand for its products because of a slowing economic environment as well as elevated energy costs from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The producer of titanium dioxide and additives is working with Molus as investment banker to explore a restructuring transaction. The company generated negative $90 million of free cash flow in the third quarter of 2022 to end September 2022 with $45 billion of cash and $233 million of availability under its revolver due October 2026. The ABL has a springing maturity on May 9, 2024, if by that date more than $75 million of the existing $355 million term loan B due August 24 remains outstanding. At a status conference on Wednesday, the Cineworld debtors assured Judge Marvin Isker the sluggish pace of the bankruptcy case will speed up, with the debtors poised to move forward rapidly on key issues such as lease rationalization, marketing, restructuring, and screen advertising. Debtors disclosed that they could potentially enter into a new screen advertising relationship with an unidentified party in the near term. Debtors have sought to reject their current advertising agreement with National Cinemedia, though NCMI is negotiating with the debtors on a new deal along with other potential partners. Judge Isger told the debtors that he wants to see more action in the case and emphasized that the debtors need to figure out where they're going. In a presentation to court, the debtors disclosed that box office revenue from September 5th through December 25th, 2022 was $607 million, or 28% below budget from admissions of 37% below budget, which was partially offset by total spend per patron that was 15% above budget. Despite the top-line miss, Cineworld's presentation showed operational liquidity of $111 million as of December 25th, or $31 million above budget, as operating cost reductions and working capital management more than offset, offset the box office revenue shortfall. On Tuesday, FTX founder and former CEO Sam Bankman-Fried pled not guilty to criminal charges. The U.S. Attorney's criminal complaint accusing Bankman-Fried of wire fraud, money laundering, campaign finance violations, and related conspiracy claims was unsealed on December 13th. The case was assembled quickly by prosecutors from the Southern District of New York who gained the cooperation of Bankman-Fried's co-conspirators, Caroline Ellison, the former CEO of Alameda Research, and FTX co-founder Gary Wang. 
Ellison and Wang have pled guilty to criminal charges and have also consented to the entry of consent judgments to civil charges brought by the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission and the, and the SEC. Separately, Various parties have claimed interest in approximately 55 million Robinhood Class A common shares held by Emergent Fidelity Technologies. The parties, FTX Group, BlockFi, FTX Digital Markets, FTX Creditor and Emergence Liquidation Proceedings, and Bankman Freed have laid out their positions on ownership of the shares and filings in the FTX Group and BlockFi Chapter 11 cases. At a status conference in the FTX Group Chapter 11 cases on Wednesday, the U.S. DOJ announced that it had seized the shares. The DOJ also seized bank accounts held in the name of FTX DM at Silvergate Bank. The Department of Justice attorney informed the court at the status conference that competing claims to the seized assets could be resolved in civil and criminal forfeiture proceedings in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. Top red stories this week included 3M slammed in earplugs MDL, LTL goes after plaintiff's bar, Sears mutinous fights baffles SCOTUS. Inmarsat dismisses suit against Legato over $385 million payment due January 1st. Celsius Court issues opinion on earned accounts, stablecoin sale. GTT amended plan goes effective one year after confirmation of original prepack plan. And now here's Kathy Ta from Los Angeles with the week ahead. Hello, this is Kathy Ta. The week ahead is packed with several cryptocurrency bankruptcy hearings. First up, on Monday, BlockFi will pursue turnover of 56 million of Robinhood shares to place them with an independent custodian pending adjudication of disputed claims to the stock, even though the Department of Justice has seized the assets. Objective parties argue that the motion is now moot as a result. The shares were pledged by Emergent to secure defaulted loans between BlockFi and FTX debtor Alameda Research. Endo International will also be in court on Monday to get approval of settlement with Navarkar. The deal, if approved, would resolve Endo's related suit against Navarkar and amend a 2018 drug development, license, and commercial agreement between the parties. On Tuesday, Voyager Digital will push for authority to enter into an asset purchase agreement with Binance US for over $1 billion and for conditional approval of its disclosure statement. A host of government agencies and the US trustee object to the relief, pointing out that Binance US is not a qualified purchaser under certain states' licensing laws. Turning to Wednesday, the FTX will be in court for their second day hearing and to seek approval of bidding procedures for the sale of certain solvent non-core business lines. The ad hoc committee of non-U.S. customers seeks information related to the sales, saying it has significant concerns over the lack of disclosure regarding the source of funds used to acquire and support the businesses and asks for consultation rights in the marketing process. Also on Wednesday and continuing into Thursday as needed, the Celsius Network debtors will push for a preliminary injunction against Keyfi Incorporated and its CEO Jason Stone from accessing or transferring digital assets, including from Celsius's digital wallets. In the related adversary proceeding, the debtors assert that the key five defendants lost or stole tens of millions of dollars worth of Celsius coins that Celsius now seeks to recover. Clovis Oncology's second-day hearing is set for Wednesday. The debtors will seek final approval of dip financing provided by pre-petition secured lender 6th Street. The $75 million dip consists of $45 million in new money, plus a $30 million roll-up of pre-petition secured debt. The debtors will also ask for approval of bid procedures in connection with their stock and horse agreement with Novartis for the purchase of the debtors' pipeline clinical candidate, FAB2286, with the procedures providing for continued marketing of FAB assets and other assets, including the the company's only marketed anti-cancer drug, Rubraca. The reverse mortgage debtors will head to court on Thursday for their second day hearing and their first court appearance after defaulting on their Jenny May obligations and under their DIP facilities. Pre-petition administrative agent and DIP agent Leadenhall, which has terminated use of his cash collateral, 
along with Diplender Texas Capital Bank, argues the debtor's motion to honor servicing obligations is no longer necessary, while the UCC takes issue with the debt, saying it is now outdated, given the, de the debtor's abandonment of the transfer of their Ginny May mortgage servicing rights to Longbridge. On Friday, Ruby Pipeline will see confirmation of the second amended plan. The plan provides for a sale of the debtor's pipeline assets to successful bidder Tallgrass MLP operations, or alternatively, backup bidder EP Ruby LLC, a wholly owned subsidiary of sponsor Kinder Morgan. Under the plan, funded by sale proceeds, $135 million in settlement proceeds with sponsors Kinder Morgan and Pembina, and cash on hand, all note holder claims will be paid in full, including post-petition interest at the contract rate and general unsecured claims. That's it for me on this Friday, January 6th. Fun fact, on this day in 1912, New Mexico became the 47th state to join the United States of America, becoming the last major territorial acquisition of the U.S. Now back to you in New York. Thank you again for listening to this Rear Weekly Review. You can find all our podcasts on the rear.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next Friday.